This is America on the Road, named the best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 28th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. A major automaker has had so much difficulty with supply chain issues and inventory shortages that it called a national press conference to explain. We attended that conference and we'll tell you what car company it is and what its chief American executive said coming up. Interesting stuff. Can you afford to buy a new car right now? A new survey shows that a lot of Americans are concerned about affordability these days. You could be one of them. We'll give you the details a little later in this segment. Interesting stuff from this survey from cars.com. And Maserati has launched the new Maserati Grecal SUV in America. What we need is another Maserati SUV, I think. And released new details of the upcoming 2024 Maserati Gran Turismo models. Pretty exciting stuff. We'll tell you more about that coming up. I'm Jack Nierad. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris is going through the uh, winter in Maine. <laughs> And uh, between snowstorms, I guess this time around, right, right, Chris? Yeah, if you, I think I complained about not having any snow on the ground a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, you did. And, yeah, uh, brown, yes. brown. You said, yeah. Somebody heard me because uh, we got over <laughs> a foot on Sunday night. We're due up for another, I don't know, seven or eight inches tonight, uh, and it's just been a lot of fun, you know, cleaning up all that much snow. Uh, some of the snow piles are taller than my car right now. Yeah, well, I know what that is. Well, he lives at one end of the country. Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other where uh, this week we had an earthquake. So we got that going for us. We talk about cars here, the car industry, how you can get the most for your automotive dollar. And, uh, well, you've got snow there. Uh, you've driven some interesting cars lately. What's going on with the family? Family's doing all right. You know, we're uh, a little bit under the weather this week, but uh, feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. Just uh, need to stay away from other people for a little while. But uh, we're doing well. It's you know it's got a lot colder here, and it's it's interesting. I've been testing electric vehicles. Uh, the one I'm going to talk about later in the show. Uh, so the temperature change has been a good chance for me to to test out the battery and range on some of these vehicles. Yeah, and it's important to note that uh, a lot of times when you have cold weather, the range goes down. You have more more difficulties than you might imagine. So uh, I want to hear your real world. Uh, experiences with the the vehicle and the vehicle I think was the Genesis GV60 correct it was it was very impressive uh, I have some very interesting thoughts related to the weather and and how things behave so I can't wait to tell you about it yeah well I look forward to that I will be road testing the very hot 2023 Hyundai Elantra N and I'll tell you this is one of the most enjoyable cars I've driven in months I really had a blast with this car I got a chance to test it for a week and uh, I'll have a full report on that uh, you know, maybe make you a little jealous about what I was able to do this week in terms of driving. I'm very excited about our special guest this week. Ralph Gilles is the head of design for Ram and, of course, the other Stellantis brands in North America. And we'll be talking with him. We got an exclusive interview with him about the Ram Revolution concept, the truck that they introduced, the concept truck they introduced at CES. It's a wild vehicle. No one uh, can describe it and tell about what it represents better than Ralph, so uh, stay stay with us for that interview. But before we do anything else, we will be bringing you some of uh, the most important auto-related news from around the world. Let's jump into that. The brand I was talking about that decided to do this national press conference was American Honda, uh, and I think they're doing it in response to the fact that their sales for 2022 uh, lagged <laughs> what a lot of people expected they would be, and I think they lagged what they expected they would be. 
And uh, I think they decided, well, we better explain this <laughs> because they seem to have a lot more problems with supply chain issues than many other brands, and including the Koreans that we're talking about uh, in this show. I mean, they seem to weather that problem without much difficulty, continuing to su supply cars and, and build market share. Uh, Honda went the other direction. So interesting stuff they had to say. They didn't really get specific about what issues they had, but they were down in inventory uh, very, very low, uh, much lower inventory than they had, uh, were used to. And one of the statistics they quoted was a high turn rate, uh, which means that the, when a vehicle comes in, how quickly it turns over. And this was at a historic rate. I mean, when they, a vehicle would come into a dealership, it would almost immediately sell. Their turn rate was 77%. Uh, their day's supply of cars on the ground was in single digits. Uh, usually, it's it could be something like 50 or 60 days, depending on uh, the car company. So uh, when it's less than a week, <laughs> that's indicating they have no inventory there. And it's hard to sell cars when you don't have cars to sell, right? So I guess that was the, the big thing that they were talking about. They also gave us some insights into their a product cadence, which is interesting. What, what's your take on their supply issues versus uh, you know other people's? Well, as you mentioned, it is interesting that uh, some others were able to, I'll say, pull it off. I don't know that anybody felt like they were doing it smoothly, but uh, the others pulled it off. You know, Honda's been beating this drum for months. I think it was, what, August, September, they started talking about some models were going to show uh, depressed sales numbers compared to the last year. I think it was like the Civic and the Pilot or something like that. I don't know. I mean, did they give any indication of, of why this was the case, of why they uh, had so much difficulty compared to others? Well, I think one of the big issues was they were in the midst of launching two really important vehicles for them and on the verge of launching two others. And uh, the, the HRV and the CRV, their two smaller or their small SUVs were being launched as this was happening. And, you know, those are high volume vehicles, especially the CRV. And they just weren't getting enough. And it, when you do a you know a complete change like they did with both of these vehicles, kind of back to back, which is rare for a car company anyway, that's that's kind of bad planning to to do them back to back. So you have two important vehicles that are transitioning, and thus there's some production issues there. Uh, but I think they had many issues beyond that. They you know eliminated some trims. They kind of concentrated on upper level trims. They eliminated the LX trim from the CRV, for example. And now they're uh, about to launch an Accord. The Accord is arriving in dealerships now. It's certainly a, a giant vehicle for them. And the Honda Pilot, which is their midsize SUV, also a high volume vehicle. So they were stuck kind of <laughs> in launch mode for all these really high volume vehicles, just as inventory is, is basically uh, drying up. Yeah, it is interesting. I keep using that word, but uh, to, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with this going forward, right? Because Honda's moved a little bit slower towards electrification than other automakers. Uh, they announced uh, yesterday or the day before that they're splitting off a, a business division to handle electrification and they're trimming some of their international operations. So I'll be uh, invested in the outcome here because I do I do like Honda. I'd like to see them succeed. Right. Well, part of the product cadence is exactly what you're talking about. A, a lot of hybrid electric models, which is part of their electrification strategy, Strategy. They, they believe that people getting into hybrids is kind of the baby step to get them into a full electric the next time around. A big percentage of their Accord sales will be uh, hybrids, 
because their up-level powertrain is a hybrid powertrain in, in the Accord that's just now being launched. So that will be interesting. They want to have 100% electrified sales uh, by 2040, but that includes hybrids. <laughs> and then to have zero emissions by 2050. They didn't say all electric. They said zero emissions by 2050. So we'll see what happens with that. They also said that uh, Acura will be selling 100% digitally starting in 2024, which is interesting because maybe a lot of people who want to buy Acuras don't want to buy them digitally or want to start their transaction digitally, but then go into an Acura dealer and do that. I, you know, I, I find that, are they going to then force them at the dealer desk to, you know, enter the, uh, the rest of the information on a computer so that it can be 100% digital? I, I mean, I don't quite get that. I do get the fact why they would want to uh, allow a complete transaction to, be, to take place online. But I don't understand why they would say 100% of our sales will be digital. I guess everything's computerized, so maybe they're all digital now, right? I mean, everybody's sales might be. In terms of product cadence, Honda brand is going to have the year of the SUV, or it just has completed the year of the SUV, but is going to, I guess, extend it into 2023 with a new Pilot and Pilot Trail Sport. Uh, we got a preview of that. I think we actually interviewed uh, someone from, uh, from Honda about that vehicle and had that on the show maybe a month or so ago. Uh, pretty cool stuff. I'm, I'm excited about what the new Pilot is going to be like, and the Trail Sport will actually be uh, a vehicle with some real off-road chops. It's not exactly a Jeep, but it's uh, certainly well beyond what the, the current pilot trail sport will be. Well, we talked about the fact that there is economic uncertainty out there as, as uh, pertains to affordability of new cars. And this new uh, survey from cars.com certainly dove into that. Fewer than half of Americans are feeling financially confident going into this year. Here's a, an, a statistic that really kind of blew me away. 54% are still planning to purchase a new vehicle. You're feeling financially uh, kind of, eh, and at the same time, uh, you're going to buy a new car. I, I scratch my head at that. Well, we've been hearing of recession and not recession, and who knows what's actually going to happen going forward. But uh, it is it is striking to see how many people either ignore that or just don't believe it's real and just move on with the car purchases that are climbing in, in price. Uh, about 25% of people expect to spend less than $20,000 on this new car, so they're obviously setting their sights fairly low. The very few new cars available for that price, so I, that strikes me as a lot of people buying used cars, which certainly isn't a bad idea. I agree. You know, cars are not getting any cheaper. Automakers are continuously, continually driving people into the, the top trims because people, some people buy them and then it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So, they keep making more expensive models and people keep buying because that's what's available. So, Well, we also talked about the Maserati Grical SUV. It is now available for purchase in North America. Where's the nearest Maserati dealer to you, Chris? Boston? I'm yeah. going to say Boston probably, that would yeah. be my guess. They have a Ferrari dealership too. It will be, uh, <laughs> they priced it $63,500 for the entry-level GT trim. Pretty cool vehicle. I'm looking forward to driving it. Uh, I love the fact that Maserati is embracing their Italian heritage. Uh, that is their differentiator. And, uh, you know, I'm, I personally love Italy. Uh, I love uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they're, they're using heritages rather than being international. I think that's pretty cool. I guess that's it for the news segment. When we come back, we will be road testing some very cool cars, including an electric uh, GV60 from Genesis. 
and I was driving the Hyundai Elantra N. So stay with us for that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to America on the Road. It is road test time with Chris Teague. This is Jack Red back with you. And we have some, I think, fascinating vehicles to talk about. Not just interesting. I think these are fascinating vehicles. You were driving the Genesis GV60, uh, a big contender uh, in the uh, North American SUV of the year, all electric. Tell us about it. Yeah, Jack, this is the second Genesis EV I've driven uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I drove and we talked about the electrified G80 sedan. And I also have driven the Hyundai Ioniq 5. And it's really interesting to see how the three uh, or how the two brands, I should say, differentiate themselves from each other on the EV side. The GV60 actually rides on the same platform and has a lot of the same tech as the Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Kia EV6 which gives it a fantastic foundation to build on because both of those are excellent um, EVs. But uh, the GV60 starts at around $60,000. My unit, as tested, was right around $70,000. Not cheap at all, but it is a bargain in its segment. If you look at some of the vehicles it competes with, uh, the Audi e-tron, the Q8 e-tron is 87 grand. The BMW iX is over $80,000. So this could be viewed as a bargain, and it does have plenty of great features uh, to justify that price. I tested the performance all-wheel drive model. Uh, it comes with 429 horsepower all-wheel drive, and it has a really cool button on the steering wheel, Jack. I'm going to get your thought about this. It has a boost button. Uh, so the other day on the highway, it was already going 60. Hit the boost button. It drives horsepower from 429 to 483 for a brief period of time, for 10 seconds, they say. Uh, by, by about five seconds in, I was already exceeding the speed limit, so I stopped. But what do you think about that? I think it's really cool uh, to use the electric powertrain like that. You know, it strikes me as being video game-like, and I think that's maybe a cool thing, right? I mean, uh, certainly there's generations now that have grown up with video games and and computer games and all that kind of stuff. And to have that kind of thing in a car, I think, is involving, right? I mean, it's a little fun thing you can do. It's really, It really has no practical benefit, but it's a kind of a blast. Well, if you want to feel like a Formula One driver, right, they have push-to-pass, right, drag reduction systems. So, uh, But very, very interesting car. I really love the powertrain in this thing. It's unendingly quick. You really don't need any more power in a vehicle than this. Uh, range does suffer with some of that horsepower, though. So it's only got 235 miles of range. We've been down in the single digits at night here consistently for the past four or five days. And I can tell you that letting the car sit in the cold weather and then having to heat it back up in the morning so you have to defrost the windows and all that, th uh, that definitely drains the range. So uh, in about two or three days of driving, I had gone from 235 miles of range to 109 miles of range, and I had not driven 126 miles, whatever the math comes out to be there. I think I might have done about half that. So if you're buying an EV and you live north of the Mason-Dixon line or Washington State or somewhere in Montana maybe, keep that in mind because you do lose range, heating up the seats, heating the cabin, uh, turning on the climate controls, running the stereo, all that good stuff. But uh, I digress. So the inside of this thing, Jack, is plush to the max. It has Napa leather uh, upholstery. The performance trim I tested also has heated, cooled, and massaging front seats, uh, which was a, a surprise. I hit the lumbar button and the massage came on, so uh, kudos to them for that. These buckets in front are supremely comfortable. They are very supportive. Uh, they have a great a level of adjustability, and there's good visibility on the uh, good outward visibility on this thing because the windows are large and the seating position is uh, so intuitive. 
There's a 12.3-inch touchscreen. It's got wireless Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Uh, this trim, actually both trims, come with a banging Olufsen sound system with 17 speakers in 16 locations. Uh, the interesting thing about adjusting the stereo in this thing is I could not find an EQ, so I could not, uh, thankfully, play the auto journalist game of cranking up the bass all the way before the next person gets in the car. But they do have interesting ways to interact with it. So you can you can choose moods or settings, uh, like groups of settings for the sound, and it really does impact uh, the way the inside of the, the vehicle sounds. Full suite of safety equipment in this Skyjack. It's got blind spot monitoring, automatic emergency braking, forward collision alerts, blind, uh, rear cross traffic alerts. The one thing I will say is with all the snow that we have on the ground now uh, and all the snow that was at that time sticking to the car, the sensors absolutely hate winter weather. Uh, the car kept thinking I was getting backed into or somebody was going to ride into the side of me when I'm really just driving down uh, my driveway, which has snow piles up to the, the my shoulders at this point. Um all around, Jack, I think this is a great EV. I think, you know, the range is a little disappointing for me. They will probably get that, make that better in the future. Uh, but for the price and for what you get, I think compared to its competition, it's a great buy. I think it's a really cool car. I, I like a lot of things about it. Uh, I, I'm sounding like Mr. Interior Design on every show lately, but I think that vehicle has a terrific, terrific interior. You talked about the seats. I just think the overall design of the interior is very upscale. It definitely separates uh, from the other two that are based on the same platform. It strikes me in terms of powertrain, it's very similar to the uh, EV6, the Kia EV6 GT, probably similar kind of performance to that in, in a different way, though. I mean, it's it's aimed in a, at a different market, certainly. I think there's a lot to like about the, the GV60. I think they've done a remarkable job with it. They did a great job making it feel special and making it feel different from the other EVs. Uh, and then the styling doesn't hurt either. It's gorgeous. So Yeah, it really is a pretty car. A pretty car inside and out, I think. Well, I was driving a car that is absolutely a blast to drive. And we have talked about the Hyundai Elantra before, but this is the 2023 Hyundai Elantra N, their performance version. And I mean, pretty serious performance version of the Elantra. Uh, there is also an N-Line, which is kind of a, a middling <laughs> performance version with uh, more performance looks than performance performance. Uh, but this is pretty serious performance in this vehicle. Uh, a blast to drive, as I say. It's powered by a 2-liter turbocharged direct injection engine that uh, gives you 276 horsepower. Pretty solid horsepower and a lot of torque, too. 289 pound-feet of torque. And that torque seems available all the time. Uh, which is one of the things that makes this such a fun car to drive. It's so drivable. The engine is very flexible. It also has rev matching. It has rev matching even with the uh, dual clutch transmission, which is uh, you know what I had uh, in the in the vehicle. Uh, you know, pretty interesting stuff. I, I love downshift rev rev matching. It it takes one of the kind of vexing things out of the the driving experience. I think if people are really good at rev matching, I've I've never been particular. I don't feel like I'm great at it. Uh, so I, I like the fact, and maybe nobody is great at it, but <laughs> I, I certainly am not. So when the uh, vehicle can do that for me, I'm happy about it. This one certainly does that. I agree, Jack. You know, we talk about being an enthusiast and you have the manual transmission. Everybody wants to be engaged all the time. But I mean, think about daily driving. Like, you know, I'm not great at rev matching either, but I don't want to have to think about that while I'm driving to the grocery store or taking my kids to school. So I think it's a great feature to have. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It also has a lot of performance and en uh, enhancements that are specific to the N model. Uh, it has an integrated drive axle that enhances handling, electronic limited slip N corner carving differential, 
and corner carving differential. It's a limited slip differential. Uh, helps you corner. Certainly performance tires, Michelin Pilot Sport 4S tires, 19-inch alloy wheels. They, they've just done, done this vehicle right, I think. And it's not hugely expensive in, in the form I was driving. And I think it's around $35,000. So uh, reasonable, fun to drive. I like the dual-clutch transmission. I did a lot of shifting it myself. The shifts are bang, bang, bang. I don't see how you, uh, how a manual transmission vehicle could be any quicker or better <laughs> at those shifts. I think they would be slower. I think manual transmission cars are slower now than the dual clutch trans transmission vehicles. So if you really care about performance, maybe that's the way to go. There is something about having the manual though, as you say. Just a lot uh, to like about this electronically controlled suspension. They have stiffened the body in several areas to uh, enhance handling and then given it just a host of driver assistance features, uh, forward collision avoidance assist with pedestrian detection, blind spot collision avoidance assist, rear cross traffic collision avoidance. You know, there's so many ways you can collide with stuff and they're trying to keep you from doing that, which I think is a really good thing. So here's a vehicle that's around $35,000, very well equipped with Tons of performance potential, just uh, fun to drive performance potential. And at the same time, it's a practical vehicle for up to five people with pretty good fuel economy. I, I just think there's so much to like about the uh, Elantra N. I agree. And I think I mentioned it when I reviewed the car a few months ago. I'm a little wide for the seats. They're very, very sporty for me. Uh, I like the interior materials. I think it feels great. As you mentioned, they stiffen the body. It's really interesting. You open the trunk and you can see the cross member bracing behind the back seats. So it does give you that sort of race car feel. Uh, I chose a Golf GTI over this car. I test drove both. I wanted the hatchback. I did not like the Kona in, which shares the powertrain. Uh, but I would have would have chosen this car in a heartbeat if I didn't need to haul, haul a big dog around in the back of the Golf. So I think it's a fantastic choice. Yeah. Well, we like it a lot. And I think uh, the Korean cars obviously are, are coming on, right? We, we have tested two cars from Korean manufacturers here. And uh, we like them both. And we think they're, I, I got to believe, they're top values in their classes right now. I agree. Yeah, good stuff. Well, when we come back, we will have an interview with Ralph Gilles, who is the director of design for Stellantis and Ram, talking about the all-new Ram concept truck. Really a cool vehicle. Uh, you've got to have a look at this thing. You might want to check out the YouTube version of the show to check out uh, what that looks like. Look for online photos of it as well. So uh, we'll have that interview when we come back right here on America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Red, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. 
Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack and Red with you. And we have a terrific guest, a guy who's been on the show before, Ralph Scheel, his head of design for Stellantis, uh, talking about the uh, Ram 1500 Revolution BEV concept truck introduced at CES. Ralph, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. Absolute pleasure to be here. What an honor. Well, it's an honor to, for me to talk to you about this thing, and uh, this might be the wildest thing I have ever seen come out of your studios, and uh, in a good way. Uh, let's talk about this concept. Uh, you've got to be very excited about this thing. Uh, we are. We are. And it really is a, a design uh, thinking project out loud. I mean, we're, we're trying to put a bit of a flagpole in the ground as to where we're headed as a brand, also a company. A lot of ideas that have been banging around inside the building uh, on other concepts, whether it's the remember the Chrysler Portal, I don't know if you remember that that vehicle uh, had the track system, and there was all these again ideas that are now in one concept. So, uh, a lot of fun to work on it, uh, but also very significant for the, for our brand, but even for the company in general, uh, because Ram is uh, one of the biggest and most profitable parts of our, our business as Stellantis. Yeah, this is a, a big thing for you in so many ways. It's not just a big vehicle. It is a big vehicle from a volume and profits point of view for your company. Very important vehicle. And and that's one of it's a vehicle that a lot of people might not or a lot of companies might t not take a chance on. Right. I mean, we have seen your competitors be very conservative in the electric space here. And this is not that, uh, is it? Yeah, and it's a, exactly. Thank you for recognizing that. We are, are big, taking a bold step uh, with the proportions, with the aesthetic. We're, you know, we got rid of our traditional uh, Ram grill that we've had for, for years, almost uh, 40 years. Um, and the Ram badge itself is gone. You know, the Ram head uh, logo is gone. We're, we're now with, with the letters, but the, those are new now. The, the light signature is all part of messaging. This vehicle is really um, a big, big signpost as to where we're, we want to head. Um, and also differentiating uh, our electric truck from our, our, our traditional truck in a way, um, whether aesthetically, functionally, um, and even, even uh, branding-wise. Yeah. I've talked to uh, several designers now about electrics and uh, the fact that maybe uh, that cuts some chains off your wrists and, and allows you to go in a different direction or a, a more out there kind of direction or just a different direction. Um, do you feel that way? It seems like maybe you do. <laughs> Yeah, yes and no. And I think there is a bit of a trap there where you can maybe try too hard um, to, 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 to yell at the mountaintops. I'm electrified uh, and make the vehicle a little bit of a caricature of itself in terms of overstating its futurism uh, just for the sake of it. Uh, so we, we, we've been talking to our customers along the way um, as to what they want, and they, they definitely love their trucks today. So we're trying to take our, our current base of customers and, and take them along the journey, not just leave them behind and, and say, I do the Delchi, we're going to go this way. <laughs> uh, so there's a the careful balance of, of making them uh, feel at home with what we're doing, but at the same time, be very excited. So, so far, I can't wait, honestly, just like, you, you know, a lot of what you just said, you saw the imagery already, it's embargoed till tomorrow. Uh, but the world will, will see the truck in a, in a few hours here. And I can't wait to hear the chatter. We're going to be listening closely. We already kind of set our direction internally, but at the same time, it's interesting. We still have time to fine tune and, and to explore and go further. Uh, and this concept 
if it's successful, will make my job with the engineers a, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, let's talk about the goals for this design and and for the truck itself. Um, kind of rethink the layout. Number one um, is is exploit this this new style of frame. It's a fantastic frame that lives underneath um, this this design. It still is a frame. It's still a, a body on frame design. Uh, but there's no IC engine anymore. So we're able to move the firewall, the windshield forward. Uh, we've added more people space, yet we haven't really taken away any cargo or, or storage. In fact, we have a front now, a huge front, uh, one of the largest ever. Um, but it has a neat trick. It has a pass-through, a super pass-through uh, that goes from the front, uh, right behind the front bumper to the end of the tailgate. You can put an 18-foot uh, plank of wood or PCV pipe or whatever you want in there. And that all came from conversations uh, with our, our own teams internally, with our customers, uh, and, and kind of deconstructing the latent needs of a truck owner. You know, they, they seem to never run out of things they want to do with their trucks. So we're trying to elevate uh, the functional game at the same time bring in an all-new aesthetic that is is very sporty, very sleek, yet still rugged. Yeah, I know. I think a lot of people might look at this truck and go, wow, it's swoopy, wow, it's cool, wow, it's uh, futuristic, and miss the functionality of it. And I think, mm. uh, you know, from what I've read about it already, you know, there's a ton of functionality here. Talk to that a little bit, would you? Yeah, I'm glad you say it that way because we didn't want the functionality to overtake the design. The, to us, the aesthetic is probably the first thing we want people to like, you know, when they see the truck going down the road or see it on stage. It's like, I want them to, to fall in love with, find it attractive, number one. Uh, two, uh, you discover the truck as you open the doors, and you're like, "Whoa, they've done it again." I hope is a response. And we've been trying to elevate the the interiors of of trucks for a while now. You know, bring, make them more comfortable, more luxurious. Um, now it's about tech. You know, we're actually using uh, unusual materials. We're using slate now instead of leathers. We're using uh, apple leather instead of traditional animal grain animal leather. Um, again, a nod to sustainability, kind of trying to take, you know, we kind of got our customers a little bit spoiled with luxury. Now, here's how we reinvent luxury, using lighting in a, in a more creative way, um, using, the, you know, showcasing the tech, but ha not having the tech overtake the interior. You want, you know, 80 inches of screen. We still have a, a reasonable amount of screen because we want the rest to be there for function and space and storage. Um, so all of those things, you know, trying to create a, a super livable space. Uh, that you want to spend a lot of time in. And one of the features of, of making the cab bigger than ever is having the bonus third row, you know, which is another innovation uh, that came from our, our um, design design thinking project. Yeah, I mean, that really jumped off the page when I was reading the the materials that were sent before the interview. And I have pretty interesting stuff. Uh, give our listeners a little more insight into that third row, a third row in a pickup truck. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, so it came again from conversations with that. Uh, oh, man, I, sometimes I wish I had the functionality of my spouse's S SUV or things like that, you know, where you go to the airport, you have you have seven passengers. Now what do you do? You know, uh, so the third row is meant to be an occasionally used third row, but it has uh, it folds away. Uh, and the second and, th and uh, first row are on track. So you can actually choose the spacing you want, uh, which, again, comes a bit from our minivan experience. Uh, so you can put cargo in there. You can really push the center seats all the way back. And, and if you have two giant golden labs, you can have them in comfort there. You know, uh, And then uh, the, the rear seats, the third rows are removable, and they can become a bleacher comforts. So you can put them on top of bleachers, or you can clip them in, in the bed of the, of the truck backwards and tailgate. 
you know, at the next bowl game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of thinking like that. That's cool stuff. Super cool stuff. Well, let's go through the interior a little bit as long as we're on that. I mean, uh, a lot of stuff there. Why don't you walk us through it? Yeah, on, on the concept now, it may not make production as you see it, but the concept has these saloon doors, right? The idea there was to showcase this this cavernous interior, which almost looks more like a private jet than a, than a passenger uh, vehicle. Uh, and that was on purpose. You know, we believe the second row and uh, should be just as comfortable as the first row. So it really is is a something to behold. Uh, then there's the lighting. You know, the lighting of the interior was inspired by the the front end, the tuning fork front end, which has that that welcome lighting and also signature lighting. We did the same thing. We gave the interior signature lighting, uh, which emanates from the center of the instrument panel, uh, travels through the doors all the way around, uh, creates this incredible ambiance. Something again you don't associate to a pickup truck necessarily. Um, which allows you to change the mood, you know, a relaxing mood. You can you can kind of impress your friends or just shut it off, you know. Um, so again, lots of ideas. Uh, we filled a room full of post-it notes when we, we were thinking through this this project before we even put pen to paper. We just we just threw ideas on the wall. Uh, some ideas have been sitting around for a long time. A lot of ideas are patent worthy, uh, like the rear diffuser, the the movable diffuser underneath the bed of the truck. So just just one idea after another. Um, I hope they all make it to production, but you know, they're out there now, which is what's important. Yeah. We're, well, we're... let's talk about the exterior. I mean, we, we kind of talked about it in broad strokes, but we didn't get into details on it. And it, it is an, a, a really striking exterior. Tell us about the features of the exterior. Well, thank you for that. Actually, the, the idea was, number one, make it striking. You know, make it arresting to look at. Because I think trucks have to be good looking, not just functional. Um, they are uh, an expression of their owners in a way. So we, we left a little room there for future exploration on making the truck tougher, just like our TRX for example, or more luxurious. So we have that ability to kind of bend the light a little bit as, as the, the basic bones are good. It has great proportions. Uh, but speaking of proportions, uh, the idea was to actually shift them a little bit. As we grew the cab, yes, the cab is longer, but we moved the um, the, the bed break, let's call it. That line is now uh, skiving through the door on purpose to re-proportion, re make sure we don't lose those critical proportions that people like about pickup trucks. And we also lowered. It's not that much longer than today. Overall length is only maybe a couple inches longer than a, a classic 1500, but it's a lot lower. I won't quote you numbers, but it's at least three inches lower. And that was for aerodynamics. And then we had to re reconstruct how we lay out the interior so we don't lose any actual space inside. But to the wind, it's much more wind cheating than ever before, uh, especially when, when the tailgate is closed. Uh, we're looking at some, some really cool features that help the aerodynamics from the bed to the tail. Uh, but uh, the piece de resistance, so to speak, is actually the diffuser. We found a lot of, of work underneath the truck uh, came from our, our passenger car programs. So all ideas chasing efficiency. But when you see it in totality, it's like a form follows function thing. It ends up being just pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is cool. Absolutely cool. Well, I mean, look for this. It is the Ram 1500 Revolution BEV concept introduced at CES. Ralph Scheel, uh, marvelous design guy at Stellantis. Uh, We've spoken many, many times, and I, it's always wonderful to speak with you because I love talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, you always have something great to show. So thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jack. Have a wonderful day and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Ralph. You take care. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. Jack with you and it's listener question time the final segment of the show and you know we love to help you out by answering your listener question we've been around this industry for a while now uh, one of us may be a little bit longer than the other but uh, the other is very bright and uh, 
comes at it from a, a very good place. So uh, we'd like to help you. It's easy to get a question to us. Just send it to editor at drivingtoday.com, editor at drivingtoday.com. And it will be routed to us and we will answer your question on an upcoming show, just as we are answering it for these people today. And the first person we're going to take a question from is Sherry in Dover, Delaware. This is the question. I'm researching midsize luxury sedans and I'd like your opinion. There are lots to choose from. Boy, there are lots to choose from, that's for sure. Do you have any favorites? What is your recommendation? Chris? Whew, there are a bunch. There are probably more luxury midsize sedans than there are non-luxury midsize sedans. I haven't counted though, but it's really hard to go wrong with Lexus. It's not uh, the Lexus ES is not the most exciting choice in the segment, but you can get it in a hybrid. It's got great interior comfort, good space, uh, and Lexus tech has improved for the the newer model years, so you don't get the clunky infotainment system anymore. Uh, we talked about the Genesis GV60 EV in the last segment. I will say the Genesis G80, which is the gas-powered sedan, is a good choice there. Uh, you can get it as an EV for far more money, but even the standard sedan is is great. It's got a good enough power, plenty of room inside. And then the last one I want to mention, Jack, is a Cadillac CT5. I think that GM's chassis tuning, even if you're not looking for a sports car, this car handles well. It has a great ride, and the interior feels nice enough to justify the price, which actually isn't that bad compared to some others uh, in the segment. So what do you think, Jack? It's interesting. Last time around, when we did listener questions last week, and I, I forget what the question was. I think it was maybe midsize or, or small SUVs. We were spot on. We had the kind of the exact same. And here... My my choices are way different. <laughs> I mean, way different. I mean, I share your enthusiasm for the Genesis G80. And I think the Genesis G70 is also probably a, a good vehicle to look at in, in the same vein. It's obviously a size, size down, smaller, probably a compact as opposed to a midsize. In this instance, I love the 5 Series from BMW. <laughs> it's one of my, it's been, been one of my favorite cars I knew you were like gonna forever. Go there. Uh, and it's still really, really good. And the Mercedes-Benz E-Class, I'm, I'm obviously uh, cherry-picking the, the absolute tops of the segment here. But, you know, those are wonderful, wonderful vehicles. I, I just love them. And, I, you know, I have a soft spot for Audis, too. The Audi A6 is a, is a terrific car. So we're kind of naming every vehicle in the segment here uh, across the board. But I really do like uh, the, the German luxuries in this particular class. I think this is kind of the sweet spot for them. And I think they nail those cars. I think the E-Class and the 5 Series and you know, the ASIC, those are just awesome cars. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll agree with you there. I'm going to stick to my choices, but I think uh, I think those three are, are great. You know, the, the 5 Series is a fantastic car in all of its forms. You can get it in a hybrid. You can get it older models as a diesel. You can, you know, go all over the place with it. So, uh, they're all they're all fantastic cars, but I do agree with your with your choices. Yeah, and we haven't even touched the electrics, and and maybe that's not something that Sherry's interested in. I think we're talking about the more conventional vehicles, or, or maybe hybrids. A lot of these also have mild hybrid powertrains in, in some of the models that um, add to fuel economy and don't <laughs> kind of are transparent to you uh, on a day to day basis. I think all the E classes have mild hybrid now, the 48 volts. So, yeah. Well, I, we were just talking about electric vehicles, and uh, I look at the next question. It's from Bill in Petoskey, Michigan, and he is asking about electric vehicles. So, let's see what he has to say. He says, I really think I want an electric vehicle this time around. Am I wrong to think that way or to feel that way? 
And then, do you have thoughts on which EVs are the best values? So uh, attack both of those questions. Number one, is he wrong to feel that way? No, I don't think so. I think EVs are becoming more compelling for more people. I think we've talked about this a lot, though. I think there are some situations where people might be better suited in a plug-in hybrid or even a standard hybrid. But uh, I don't think you're ju- uh, you're wrong to think that you should buy an EV or want an EV. So that's that shouldn't be... Uh, on your mind. In terms of the best value and which EV you should buy, the world is growing. The EV, EV world is growing. But I'm going to come back to it. I think I've recommended this, these two vehicles before. The Chevrolet Bolt EV and the Chevrolet Bolt EUV are two great choices. They're at the low end of the price uh, spectrum. They offer great interior space, good tech. They're front-wheel drive. You're in Michigan, so you can throw some snow tires on there and you'll get around just fine. Uh, if that's not your thing, the Nissan Leaf is a decent EV, too. It's got a good price tag. Uh, but if we go up another step, I think my winner, overall winners, would be the uh, Hyundai Ioniq 5, the Kia EV6, if you can afford them. I think they offer the best mix of range, power, tech, and styling. But again, you can't really go wrong with the Bolt EV or EUV, especially at the price. Yeah. And I would say to his first question, am I wrong to feel that way? I don't think you're wrong to feel that way in a general sense. But living in Petoskey, Michigan it might be a challenge for you. Petoskey, Michigan is in northern lower Michigan. It's uh, a really nice town, a resort town in the summer, very challenging weather in the winter. You're encountering that with an EV right now in Maine, Chris. Uh, I think it, and you're not really close to anything. So you're going to do a lot of at least semi-long distance driving where range can be an issue and not having range can be an issue. Like if you're driving to Detroit or you're driving up into Canada, you know, across the Mackinac Bridge, stuff like that. I would say to Bill, think about how you drive and think about what range means to you. You're mentioning vehicles with range. You know, when you talk about the Bolt EV, I think the range is about 200 miles on a charge, something like that. Leaf, uh, less than that, even in the highest form. Uh, you can get somewhat more than that in the Ionic 5 and the Kia EV6. So those are things. I think those all, all the vehicles you mentioned are very good values for EVs. But range is a, is a major issue with an electric vehicle where it's not with a, a conventional vehicle or a hybrid. You know, I, I probably should have looked at a map before answering this question. I was just making the assumption that this town was somewhere near another town <laughs> <laughs> not and not its own island or its own uh, oasis. But, you know, I think I do agree. If you are if you do live in a place that is a little bit more remote, if you're in Detroit, you probably have plenty of chargers. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, maybe some other places in, in Michigan. But uh, I, I do think I would I would think twice about buying one if I lived in a remote town. Uh, but again, there's really nothing wrong with wanting or thinking that you need an EV. I think that, that moving in that direction is is where a lot of people are at right now. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Well, let's take another question. Rich in Provo, Utah asks this. Should I buy a new SUV or look for a used one? I like the idea of a new vehicle, but some pe- people have told me that smart shoppers usually buy used vehicles. What's your opinion? I think a few months ago, I would have said stay out of the used market altogether. I think that used car prices were elevated beyond any sense of reason. Uh, However, that has changed a little bit. Things are starting to come back down to earth now. That having been said, having a new vehicle is a great peace of mind. You get a brand new warranty. You don't have to deal with anybody else's problems. Uh, It smells nice inside. It's clean. All those things. Uh, And if you can get an incentive, you know, some automakers are offering lease deals right now. So some incentives are starting to come back. I do think, though, that used SUVs, if you're able to stomach it, uh, certified used SUV, uh, if the prices are are coming down to the point where now that is is a better buy if you're looking for value uh, and to save a few bucks. Yeah. 
I think the issue with used vehicles right now is lack of supply. Of course, that is being addressed somewhat. We're going to see some of that going forward, though, because when you have sales years like we had in 2022, when fewer vehicles are sold, that means there are going to be fewer used vehicles, you know, one, two, three years down the road. So uh, look out for that. I still think a lot of people would be really well served by buying a certified pre-owned vehicle of about two or three years old versus a brand new vehicle. A lot of times you can get the same generation vehicle that you'd buy new, uh, get all the bells and whistles that that would have, but somebody else has taken a big hit on depreciation over those first two or three years. A lot of times those are leased vehicles and they're taken care of. They have to come back pretty clean. So uh, there's a lot to like about those. And, and people say, well, I'm a new car buyer. Everybody right now is driving a used car, right? I mean, unless unless they're just driving off the, the dealer's lot, they're all in a used car. Now, they might have bought it new, but it's used now. Look to that. We often buy used cars in, in my cheap tightwad family, and uh, it has served us well financially. And uh, I think dealers don't mind selling you a, a, a used car either because they make a lot of money on a used car typically. They do. And as you say, you know, supply is a little constrained, but I've been watching wholesale values uh, very closely, which is the price that dealers pay for their inventory. Uh, and those prices are starting to fall. Now, it could take a while for dealers to come around to reducing their inventory prices, uh, but the signs are there. The writing's on the wall. So we should see at some point in the future, we should see the prices start to return to earth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that is our show for the week. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. We love having you on the show co-hosting and uh, you do a marvelous job. Thank you. I love being here. I will tell you, folks, if you like what you heard and you want to take us with you wherever you go, head to the sportsmapradio.com website. There you can find us on the Saturday morning schedule. You can download our podcast on all the major platforms as well as a formatted radio version of the show. Yeah. And uh, please check out my newest book. It's called Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by true crime. And uh, of course, that is a passion of mine, not committing crimes, but writing about it and, and just learning about it. So look for Dance in the Dark. It's on Amazon. Uh, from Jack R. Nerad. That is my pen name. It's also my name. If you like our show, please uh, pass it on. Tell people about the radio station you hear it on and let them know that uh, we're available there. And of course, we're available as a podcast. So check that out. Like it if you would. Review it well if you'd like as well. And we uh, really appreciate the fact you're listening to America on the Road. And uh, join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Rad, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. 
Thanks for checking it out.